Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week. Going to guide you gently through this week's show. Had a few technical teething problems, but we're all up and running now. We've got a brilliant guest this week, Peter Land, who's Chief Communications and Sustainability Officer at Dick's Sporting Goods. How are you doing, Peter? I'm doing great, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the uh, brilliant adjective. I think you have a guest. I'm not sure about brilliant, but we'll see. Yeah, well, we'll see in the next 30 minutes, won't we? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I've got high hopes. And we've got Alida Stam, who's uh, taking the place of Frank Washgood this week. Frank's going a well-earned week off. So uh, your first time on the podcast, Alida. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I definitely have some big shoes to fill on here. So uh, I appreciate the guiding gently as my uh, first podcast here. Yeah, it'll be fine. And you have proved yourself in all other formats. It's just the podcast you haven't done before. So I'm sure you'll be fine. So yeah, we're going to talk to Peter. And we're going to talk about a few different news stories that have been the press this week, especially in PR Week. New York Women in Communications, their Women Heard campaign. Very important piece of work. We'll chat about that. It's the Salary Survey Week. Everyone always goes and looks at that to see if they're being paid enough and then knock on their boss's door. We've got a new role for Rema Vassen at Marina Mar Communications, a promotion there. Weber Shandwick has been working on the Affordable Care Act, special reopening enrollment. And we've got the usual clutch of people moves. But uh, before we get into those, let's talk to you, Peter. You changed jobs in lockdown. So that must have been interesting. Tell us a bit about it. Was it last uh, July when you joined Dick Sporting Goods from Finsbury? Um, and they were a client of yours. It there. Was, so, uh, yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, so I've been with Dick Sporting Goods since July 1st. Uh, um, Kind of technically as an employee, I, I, I've been telling people I've been with the company for uh, for closer to four years um, because they were a client in starting in late 2017. So, um, you know, when when I imagine for for a lot of people, you know, that had to change jobs or, or chose to change jobs during the pandemic, you know, the concept of starting in a new culture and environment could be pretty challenging. I think uh, I was very very fortunate in that I you know, kind of had the opportunity to, to make that change uh, while, the, while we were closed and, and, and um, you know, so many people were working from home. But, uh, you know, since I already had uh, a great deal of, of working relationships and experience with the company, the transition actually was, was relatively smooth. So I was, I was very fortunate about that. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, um, you're based in New York, but uh, Dick Sporting Goods is based in Pittsburgh. Are, are Yins moving to Pittsburgh? <laughs> nice accent. Um, so, no, I, I won't be um, moving permanently to Pittsburgh, but I will be spending quite a bit of time there, you know, once we are kind of officially open. Our our, our headquarters has been open, um, but only really for, for people who need to go in for certain reasons or, or choose to go in. Um, but when the office does fully open, which we all hope is, you know, later this year, uh, I'll be spending quite a bit of time down there. Yeah. And tell us what uh, enticed you back to the client side. You've obviously been there before at Pepsi and uh, AOL and various other places, uh, but then you've had time on the agency side. What was it that enticed you back to, to the client side? 
you know, Steve, it's a great question. I have to say, at the end of the day, it's about the people. Um, and uh, I have, a, you know, nothing but fond memories and, and happy relationship with Finsbury. They're still our, our agency. Um, so the relationships are all good. And, and I love my time there. Um, but, you know, having to work with um, having had the chance to work with Ed Stack and Lauren Hobart um, from the agency side, you know, when the opportunity came up to actually join them on the inside, um, the company really is such a values led organization. They really, um, you know, kind of lead with their heart. Um, so the opportunity to, to, you know, instead of doing that maybe half the time, you know, in terms of, of uh, Dick Sporting as a client to really be able to pour my my full heart and soul into the company um, was just too fantastic an opportunity to, to pass up. And I do, um, you know, I had the good fortune to work with Lauren at PepsiCo uh, for several years. I was the head of beverage communications. She was the chief marketing officer for the um, one of our major categories in, in beverages, the, the sparkling division. So she and I had a very good working relationship um, back at PepsiCo. So the opportunity to work kind of hand in hand with her um, at Dick Sporting Goods also was um, just such a great opportunity. That's and, Lauren who, uh, Peter, is that the, that's the CMO at uh, Dick's, yeah? Yeah, so she's Lauren Lauren Hobart is now the CEO uh, at Dick's. So she, she was the president um, when I first started working for the company, but starting in February 1st, she became the CEO. Yeah, so that's a great example of uh, making contacts that uh, you, you uh, regroup with later in your career. Um, tell, tell us about the lockdown for Dick's uh, in terms of the, the trends you've seen. Um, I'm guessing people weren't going out a lot, but then actually people have really started leaning into uh, outdoors activities in the States rather than going abroad on holiday and things like that. So tell us a little bit about that and how it's impacted the business. Sure. So, um, look, we've been very, very fortunate. You know, back in March, we voluntarily closed our stores um, for several weeks to kind of ensure that our our teammates were, were healthy and, and safe and so forth. And, and we really didn't know, you know, I think all businesses were in the same place about a year ago, like what was really going to happen? What were going to be the implications? Um, what were the impacts going to be on, on the people that work for the company and on the business? Um, but when we reopened our doors in, in April and, and May, we were so fortunate to see the benefits of, of people wanting to be outside. Um, and at the end of the day, we have so many categories uh, and products that meet the needs of people that were looking to go bike riding with their family, um, go play golf, go camping, as Alita and I were talking about before, um, play tennis, um, just even, you know, went, went fishing, um, things of that nature. So we really, you know, kind of are in a great place because, you know, we have so many products that meet the needs of people that want to be outside. So um, our business is, has been very good. We've been very fortunate. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think we, we believe those trends are going to continue even when the pandemic subsides, because now people have gotten, you know, used to different behaviors. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, we hope it does continue into the future, but we were very fortunate. We just happened to be kind of uh, it, our products and our, and our categories happen to be, well suited for what the country was, I think, looking to do in the uh, in the summer and subsequently. Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely, I think uh, those trends will endure, and people will have rediscovered things. That is probably a good thing. If, if some good things have come out of the pandemic, then that's certainly one of them. 
What about the future of retail, you know, and the way you sell goods, the way you go to market? Um, presumably, e-commerce is playing a much larger part. You, you, you kind of want to be where, the, where your customers are rather than always necessarily having them come to a physical location. How is that impacting the business and your communications around it? Sure, sure. Um, look, I think um, we have been investing in technology you know, for many, many years. And I think about four years ago, we, we took all of our uh, e-com in-house um, at, at Exporting Goods. So when the pandemic hit and our, and our stores were closed, we were able to kind of get our, our curbside contactless pickup uh, in about 48 hours. We were able to turn that, turn that on. Um, and it was a huge differentiator for us because we had done all the work ahead of time. So we, we, we didn't know when we were going to really need kind of the full suite of technology that we've been uh, investing in. And then the pandemic hit and, and we were kind of ready to go. So um, what we've seen is that that's a behavior, what we believe. And I think what we've seen is that those types of behaviors will be sustainable. You know, now people are used to you know, uh, shopping online, obviously, in a much greater way than they were before. So whether it's Instacart, um, which we have a relationship with, curbside pickup, you know, which we now do um, buy online, pick up in store, ship from store. Like we we are fully immersed in all things e-commerce um, and we, you know, firmly believe that's going to carry on. Now, that said, Steve, our stores are still, you know, where the action is. Uh, I think about 70 percent of our of our online business actually was delivered through our stores. You know, so we, we think of our stores as, um, I guess, a mini distribution centers. So most people live within, you know, five to 10 miles of the Dick's Sporting Goods. You know, so so if you want the product, you can either wait for it to be shipped, you can go pick it up. Um, but it's really, you know, we're, we're lucky, Stephen, that we, again, kind of getting back to the products and categories that we have, a lot of what we sell, even though we provide the, the online um, experience and, and, and that opportunity, people want to come and touch and feel our products. It's a baseball glove. It's golf clubs. Um, you know, I bring my, my daughter plays soccer and I bring her in for a pair of cleats, you know, so we deal the, the importance of, of having that physical footprint um, and having 800 stores across the country where people can come in and, and actually have an experience. We have batting cages, we have golf simulators. So pe- people want to be in our stores. So I, I think you're going to continue to see a blend for us and that our online business will continue to be strong, but our physical presence in so many communities will also continue to be, you know, massively important for us. Yeah, soccer and cleats, Peter. You're talking a different language there. I'm not, uh, no. I'm glad she's playing the right sport anyway. That's good. Um, Steve, I brought up I brought up soccer just for you. I mean, yes, I'm thank you. A little, a little <laughs> um, the part of your role is sustainability. So talk a little bit about that, and that's obviously much more important in business generally and branding and communication. So what what have you been doing on that front? So we've been doing quite a bit. I think you know uh, we we kind of like to say internally that we were you know we were deeply involved in ESG before it was kind of cool to be involved in ESG, right? Um, you know, our, our, um, we set up our sports matter, uh, initiative about seven years ago, um, which is where we, we fund underserved communities, um, sports programs. Um, and, and that's been a legacy that 
has has carried on for several years and, and will continue to carry on. So part of our sustainability efforts are really kind of reaching back into the communities and figuring out how we can get young people on the playing fields. Um, and the pandemic has really um, hampered that quite a bit um, in terms of, you know, um, community sports programs being either suspended or eliminated, um, school sports programs being suspended or eliminated. So we've been investing quite a bit in working with local uh, officials and leagues to try to bring sports back in communities in, in, in a safe way. So that has been and will continue to be important part of our of our efforts. Um, on the on the environmental front, um, you'll see in our purpose playbook last year, you know, we're doing quite a bit um, in terms of uh, plastic. We've made a commitment to um, remove plastic bags from our stores um, by 2025. We joined the Beyond the Bag initiative. Um, so we, we are, you know, making some pretty heavy bets in the sustainability area. We think it's, it's vitally important both for, uh, for our planet. Um, it's important for the people who, who shop at Dick's Sports goods they they want to know you know what what our company stands for and you know mostly i would say for the people that work for the company you know we have fifty thousand people that work at dick sporting goods and all the research that i've seen in pr week and and you've seen in many other places you know people want to work for a company that you know has values and talks about its values and shares its values um so we think it's very important to you know to talk about what we're doing in communities because are, it really inspires the people that work at the company, um, yeah. and they'll, it's, it's a recruiting retention, um, and it's 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 really it will continue to be an important pillar for our company. Yeah, employee engagement is absolutely crucial, isn't it? And it has been even more so over the past twelve months. The first line of external communications for sure, and. Uh, uh, yeah, really important. What about we saw outdoor retailer like REI doing that, the famously closing all their stores on Black Friday and, you know, encouraging people to get out and actually, you know, get out into the outdoors and, and do things. What how, What's your attitude to ideas like that and um, creative ways of uh, raising awareness about um, getting into the great outdoors? It's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's, you know, when I wasn't working for Dick's Sporting Goods, you know, I would have said, ah, what a great idea. Now I'm not sure I can say that. No, um, about REI. But no, uh, uh, the, the truth is we uh, we closed our store on Thanksgiving this year in, in 2020, um, mostly because we felt our, our teammates really needed to spend, you know, Thanksgiving with their families. We've already announced that we're closing on Thanksgiving again in 2021. Um, so, you know, we, we are, you know, I think looking for other opportunities really to reward our our teammates i think more than anything else like you know it's been such a brutal time in retail um for our frontline workers in terms of the the trials and tribulations of of masks and people customers come in and and don't want to wear a mask and how do you navigate that you know how do you make sure you're you're operating in a safe environment so i think a lot of what we're we're looking at is how do we you know continue to really take care of our of our employees. They're just such a, you know, they're really the, especially at the stores, you know, we, we have three kind of, um, uh, kind of workforce communities, right? We have our headquarters in Pittsburgh, we have our distribution centers and we have our stores. Um, but the vast majority of our teammates work at the stores, you know, so a lot of what we're doing in, in terms of, of, um, kind of helping, 
communities is really helping that that community, that cohort group. And 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 again, giving them Thanksgiving off was just one thing. Um, we we certainly provided a great deal of um, premium pay and bonuses, you know, last year um, and this year, yeah, for frontline workers. So so I I think um you know we're very very focused there in terms of you know ideas for getting people outside. We are you know that, that is very important to us too, and and we're opening up a, um, a store called Public Lands uh, in in Pittsburgh and Columbus. It's an outdoor store. And uh, uh, they'll open later on this summer. And I think you'll see a lot of the, of the marketing and communications around those two stores will be about people really enjoying uh, the outdoors. And how do we provide more access um, to, to people to explore and to really, you know, take in, you know, what's publicly available, public lands and parks and communities. There's so much available. Um, and it really hasn't been the most welcoming community to a diverse uh, range of of um, of outdoor folks, and and we're hoping to kind of change that a little bit, and really focus on accessibility and, and making sure we're we're providing access and opportunities for people to get outside. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds great, Peter. And we're all looking forward to spending more time in the outdoors. So thanks for looping us in on that. And uh, sounds like things are going really well. So uh, good to catch up with you. And we'll get your input into the news stories with a leader. So first off, a leader. New York Women in Communications is a story that you wrote this week, and you're doing a deeper analysis on very important story. It's the launch of a, a Women Heard campaign that was trying to raise awareness about the, the plight of women over the past 12 months, especially. Talk us through it. Yeah, of course. So according to um, a recent study conducted by the National Women's Law Center, about 80% of all workers over the age of 20 who left the workforce in January 2021 were women. Um, And women of color were disproportionately impacted by job loss. Um, According to the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, unemployment data, the job loss rate for black women um, over 20 was 25% higher than the national average. And for Hispanic and Latina women, it was almost 50% higher. So New York Women in Communications launched this Women Heard campaign as a way of um, conducting research uh, to survey both the communication industry and women across the country and find out what they're up against during the COVID-19 pandemic and and how they're coping. Uh, So part of that is uh, the research, uh, which they'll also be releasing after they've uh, conducted the study. But it's also a call to action to CEOs, CPOs, uh, human resource officers uh, across the communications industry to look at their own organizations and analyze how they can make uh, how they can better support retention and re-engagement of women in their workforce. Yeah, the figures are really frightening. I mean, there was some McKinsey data out last fall that showed that one in four women were either considering downsizing their career or leaving the workforce altogether because of the increased pressures through COVID. I'm talking about having to cope with a high-pressure high job or having to go out and do a, a tough job and homeschooling, looking after the kids, lack of childcare, and all the, the regular sort of duties around the home that still seem to fall on women predominantly. And uh, it's 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 really uh, an, an underexposed issue. So I'm glad that New York Women in Communications is doing this. Peter, is that something you're aware of and uh, with your staff and both with your customers? Is that uh, because PR is obviously a 70 percent female uh, occupation? Yes. I, you know, look, it's, it's a very, very important to us, you know, um, and I think we've we've seen some of the same exact trends that, that you're you're talking about. And, we, you know, 
I think we're focused on a couple of different areas. One is um, so much of the original conversation at the early stages around the pandemic was about people's health and well-being. But I, I think what this um, survey that you've been talking about and, and, and what's happening with women in the workforce in many respects comes down to, you know, the, the mental health aspects of COVID and what it's done. So we, we've put a major emphasis on doing everything we can to kind of make sure that, that people are taking care of themselves. Um, we've done things like uh, blocking calendars and, and basically we call them the no meeting zones, you know, where you just can't schedule things for significant blocks of time during the week that allows for parents, you know, male, male and female, but, but you're, you're right, it, it has fall, fallen mostly to, to women at home just to get some time to, you know, take care of themselves. And that could be everything from just taking a walk outside to not looking at a screen for two hours. Um, so I, I think all companies like ours are really looking at both the physical and mental health aspects around this issue because it's, uh, it's vitally important and we all need to be working on solutions. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we picked up on it in our Femme Forward blog series, which is leading up to the Hall of Femme uh, class of 20 one uh, unveiling in in April. We saw Jackie Cox battles last week from Zeno and this week Brittany Thomas from Current and we've got some excellent perspectives coming up in that as well. When you read their stories it's really sobering and it just makes you realize what people are, are going through and the employers and the government have got to be much more flexible and the, the more has to be done on this subject so um, uh, good on the New York Women in Communications for highlighting it and then look forward to seeing how that campaign goes. Alida, one of our most populous issues of the year is the salary survey because everyone wants to know what everyone else is getting paid so what were the big findings we, we launched it uh, this week? Yeah, so the results of our salary survey showed what many would expect after a year spent doing business during a global pandemic. Um, the median salary for PR pros rose uh, from ninety-eight uh, thousand a year, yeah, ninety-eight thousand a year to hundred k. Compared to last year, and while you know a six-figure salary is a significant benchmark to hit, the year-over-year increase of just about 1.5 percent compared to 8.7 percent last year and 6.7 percent the year before shows how the industry's really been impacted. Um, and we we attributed much of that to comms pros suffering furloughs and pay cuts, with about a quarter of PR pros surveyed saying that they had their pay slashed at some point last year, and only a little more than half of them have seen their salaries fully restored so far. Um, it's caused top talent to shift around in the industry toward more stable sectors. We've seen uh, moves towards tech and healthcare, and smaller firms are also trying to rope in top talent by leveraging uh, great work from home policies. All of this boils down to employees paying much closer attention to how their higher ups are treating them and what they're saying or not saying. They're looking for job security and an easy to navigate work from home environment. Yeah, it's uh, it's always a fascinating read, but especially this year, I really do recommend you check it out. And um, some of the um, uh, stats are very illuminating. So the the salary gap uh, between men and women, for example, I think that it stalled slightly. It was it was finally we were getting more gender equity, but that has stalled a little bit, just as the rise in salaries overall has stalled. Um, but I was really interested to see what some of the employers are doing to um you know keep the staff happy so it's not it's it's about money but it's not just about money and with w2o for example um agencies giving people stipends to 
kit out their home office and help them, you know, with all the costs that they're kind of incurring on behalf of their employers. So um, that was really interesting. And uh, Peter, what was your take on it? And uh, is that the, is that an issue you always uh, reach for or as soon as it comes out? <laughs> um, I certainly did when I was on the agency side. Yeah. Well, this covers all. Um, this covers you know, the house as well. It, uh, it's, it's true. It's true. You know, look, I, I think um, the, the comparison numbers are interesting. I, I think a lot of companies are looking at 2020 and saying, you know, how do we even evaluate 2020? You know, should we be should we be measuring 2021 against 2019? Um, or even waiting until the end of 2021 because we're it's March and we're still you know in the middle of the pandemic and saying okay what what's the new normal what, what's the new baseline for how we start to think about compensation and to your point like the W2O example the benefits um, so I, I think that you know it, it, it's um, uh, what the pandemic has done has allowed all employers to look at you know in a, in a way. Uh, challenge companies to think through just employee care overall. And again, to your point earlier, it's a combination of, of compensation and benefits. But what are the softer uh, kind of benefits that, that we all can be providing um, for our employees? That, that again, it's obviously salaries is critically important, but whether it's, you know, helping, you know, with a home office or are there other things that we could be and should be considering flexible work schedules We've all had to have flexible work schedules for the last year, you know, and that's something we think is going to continue. You know, the idea of a five day in the office work week, I think most people would tell you, most companies will tell you that's probably not going to happen. You know, yeah. so if that's if moving forward. So if that's the case, you know, um, again, salary being important, of course, and benefits. What are the other uh, areas that that we can all be looking at to provide you know, that that uh, resources and opportunity, you know, for our employees that are meaningful. Yeah, it's absolutely true. If they can get internet to not go down, that would be good as well, because uh, that seems to have been the bane of my life today. But anyway, that's my own, <laughs> own personal first world problems. Um, Alida, another interesting agency move. Rema Vassan has uh, been uh, promoted at Marina Mar Communications. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so she's uh, she originally joined um, Marina Mar Communications in June of 2019 as EVP and Chief Innovation Officer, and she's now been named president. Um, she'll oversee the agency's growing healthcare, corporate, and consumer practices, in addition to earned media, creative, digital innovation, and business strategy and analytics. Um, we probed and asked uh, if she might eventually take on the role of CEO at the agency, and uh, Marina Mar um, hinted that that might be a possibility, although she said that she's not planning to retire anytime soon. No, you can't imagine Marina retiring. She's uh, she keeps her enthusiasm for the work, and uh, long may that continue. But uh, certainly, maybe as an indication of, of leadership uh, transition at some point. But uh, congratulations to Rama, and uh, interesting move there. Um, tell us all about Weber Shandwick and its work on the Affordable Care Act special reopening enrolment. The leader. 
Yeah, uh, President Joe Biden signed an executive order. Uh, he reopened healthcare.gov for a special enrollment period, which started February 15th and runs through May, I believe. Um, the Biden administration has set a $50 million budget for outreach and education, which will prove to be a tough task. Um, the This area has been rather under, underfunded for the last uh, few years. And so Weber Shandwick is hoping that they can step in um, and help raise awareness that healthcare.gov offers financial assistance that's really affordable. Um, their campaign specifically targets um, the millions of people who have never needed health coverage before, but might now because they've lost jobs through the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so their campaign is all about educating about how uh, affordable uh, it actually is, because a lot of people think it's way more expensive than, than it really is. Yeah, there was a time when you didn't think you'd be seeing any more Affordable Care Act uh, promotion communication. But there you go. You never know what's going to happen. So uh, that's interesting work for sure. And just to finish off, Alida, just round up the people moves for this week. There's some interesting moves, as always. Yeah. Um, so Amazon has named uh, Laura Suffin Director of Corporate Communications. Uh, she joined from Golan, where she was an Executive Vice President, uh, Global Head of Social and Purpose. And then we have the American Sustainable Business Council selected Michael Newworth as its very first chief communications officer. Uh, he'll be working uh, closely with the council's CEO and co-founder. And he's really there to help uh, spread the word about advocating for stakeholder capitalism, which is all about companies realizing that it can still be profitable to focus on what their stakeholders, their consumers want, and not just what their investors want. And then lastly, we have Bully Pulpit Interactive uh, naming Sochi Hinoyosa uh, as uh, managing director of their Washington, D.C. office. And she joins most recently from being um, she worked at the Democratic National Committee. Uh, let's see here. And she's also uh, done work for the Justice Department Civil Rights Division under the Obama administration, and she served as press secretary and senior managing director for the Department of Labor in the past. Yeah, interesting move there. Peter, when someone moves from an agency to a client, does the agency think, oh, my God, uh, we've lost one of our good people, or do they think, here's a chance to get a new client, or in your case, or thinking, oh, is he going to keep us on, or is he going to move to a new agency? What, what, what do you think they think? Um, you know, I, I think it is very, very variable, right? I mean, I think if you leave under, you know, very good terms, which most people try to do, um, I, I think there's an expectation that, you know, you'll, uh, you'll keep the agency because, you know, everything seemed to be working out well. There, I'm sure there are other times when, you know, potentially the, the move wasn't necessarily a friendly move. And, and, you know, there's always not, uh, when that happens, I think, uh, there's a there's a chance that that things could change, but look, on the in the agency world, you know, I've spent half my career in the agency world, so it, it, it's impossible to be surprised anymore. I've had situations where I've I've had you know clients where we did you know prize winning work, PR Week award winning uh, work on on uh, you know in one year, and then you know three months later, you know they're they're RFPing out the business. And yes, we've also had it's amazing when that happens. And I've seen the other way where you, you kind of mosey along and you feel like, you know, you're, you're, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot happening in a certain category. And next thing you know, you're, you know, you, you have uh, an enormous, um, you know, you, you have a, a great relationship with a great new client. So it's so hard to predict, 
you know, how these things change. Because look, it's not just up to the communications team, right? You know, there, there are times when, you know, there's a new CEO and they want to have a change. Um, somebody on the board has a relationship with an agency executive and they've asked to, you know, take a meeting. So you never really know, you know, where the, the input's going to be coming from that might lead to a new agency relationship. So it's, uh, you know, you always have to, on the agency side, you really always need to be on your toes because you're never actually sure what's going on inside the company. Um, but for the most part, I, I think when, when it's a friendly transition, you know, I think it usually works out pretty well for the firm. Yeah, that's good points there. And I think one of the, the lesson, main lesson is that you should uh, try and keep good relationships with everyone you come into contact with because, you know, as you never know when you're going to bump into them again and you don't want to burn your bridges. And you've just, as you said earlier, you, you know, you've reunited with uh, someone you work with at Pepsi at Dick Sporting Goods. So, you you know, you, you do bump into people again. So it's all, it's good to keep those relationships going. It's a relationship business, isn't it? It is. I mean, I, I, I teach a class at NYU and I, you know, I would say um, probably 50, times during the semester i find myself saying you know uh it's a it's a relationship business you know it's relationships with journalists it's relationships with colleagues uh relationships with executives um other friends in the business um you just never know where those relationships are going to come to be meaningful and, and again that's the ultimately that's how i i landed here at the company you know we we you know when i was on the agency side at finsbury you know we we really kind of the, the relationship started with uh, with Finsbury in I think December of 2017, um, and it was kind of a general you know hey we we need some help with corporate and crisis and some financial comms and uh, and then Parkland happened in February of 2018 so three months after we we got the assignment um, Parkland happened and you know Lauren uh, called and said hey you know we're really going to need your help. Um, we're, we're making some pretty significant decisions about our firearms business. So it went from being kind of a, an initial relationship where we weren't even sure, you know, exactly what the assignment was going to be to a full on, you know, communicate to the street because we were, you know, we were basically telling Wall Street that we were going to lose, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars in revenue, you know. So, again, getting back to those relationships, you know, when, when you have somebody that you trust and, and Lauren and I have kind of built up trust over the years, you know, you can kind of have that conversation and say, hey, what are we going to do about this together? Let's put our heads together and, and, and figure out a plan. And, and that's kind of how it all came to pass. Yeah, so good. Actually, it's good that you mentioned that because um, it's kind of, um, I think we're around the anniversary of that announcement being made. How, how does the dicks look at that looking back? And, um, you know, is that something that, uh, is that a decision that uh, you stand by and that, uh, uh, you know, it's one of, one of those examples of doing business on principle and uh, when it's not necessarily the most financially lucrative thing? Yeah, I mean, our, our Ed Stack, our, our you know, executive chair would, would tell you um, if he had to do it 100 times out of 100, he would make the same decision all over again. Um, it, it was a decision, you know, based on, you know, how we were feeling at the time. And, and you know, the kids, he, he, he spent the weekend, you know, after Parkland seeing the kids, you know, from, from the high school, you know, on TV talking about, you know, what needed to be done and changes that needed to happen. So, you know, we felt very strongly, our board felt, our senior management team felt that, you know, this was just the right thing to do, you know, for the company. And look, we're still, 
hoping, you know, that there is change in, in some of the, you know, um, policies. Um, uh, they, they've, they haven't happened yet, um, but we've been pretty committed that we're not going to stop talking about this. We're going to make it a priority at the company, and we still are. You know, we just announced yesterday we have a relationship with the Giffords organization. Um, they've pulled together a number of companies to try to influence change from a from the business side, if, if, if things can't get done in Washington, you know, with the speed that we'd like to see it, you know, we're, we're going to just keep putting the pressure on because, as you know, Steve, you've talked about it in, in PR week, you know, companies are stepping in where governments are getting where the government hasn't been able to get things done. Um, and, and the research is so clear. I think it's about 90 percent of the American public um, wants stronger background checks, um, but we still can't seem to get, you know, those policies through. Um, so, so we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not going to take our foot off the gas. It's an important issue. We, we feel like we have a lot to contribute because we're still in this space and we, we understand it really well. Um, so we're going to keep, we're going to keep the, the, the momentum going on, on trying to get change. Yeah. Good to hear that. Good to hear. All right. Well, talking of the PR Week Awards, they are in a couple, a couple of weeks. So uh, we won't be able to meet in person, but we're going to have a, a, a damn good uh, virtual party. So I hope you'll be joining for that, Peter. But uh, uh, find out who the who wins the Oscars of the PR, PR world uh, this year. And uh, we have our Brand Film Awards final, final deadline. If you've got some films you want to get into that, we can have, give you a few days <laughs> into week and but that's going to be a great festival as well works well virtually um and um pr week connect a global event is in april and uh, we've got mark reed actually as the ceo of wpp or one of your former bosses i guess uh, peter yes, he's yes. going to be keynoting that so that should be good as well but uh, thank you so much for joining us really enjoyed the chat and um continued good luck and uh, great to see Great to catch up with what's happening at Dick Sporting Goods. And Alida, great job on your first podcast. Thank you so much. Um, but that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.